0: Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Brad and I are going to talk about the 2024 draft. We haven't really actually talked about it at all so far so you know we managed to hold off for you know 10 weeks before we got into it because I just I think you know obviously things need time to breathe Brad and you have to see things develop and I don't know how many times i probably like you know nagged at you about you know know, having conclusions about a draft so early Um, but themes develop and I don't like doing data analysis while i'm you know still in data collection mode but overall impressions of what you've seen obviously from the summer and you know through you know the first few months of the hockey season september october november and now into sort of mid early early december
1: yeah just to just to share your point like i i feel you know from what i've seen read heard People I've talked to, a lot of people consider this more of a weaker class when when it was initially getting up and running. I think part of that has to do with with so many scouts being in the CHL, and specifically, um, this is a down year for the OHL. And I feel like we're saying this every year now, but it's a down year again for the Q. So it, it, when the, the OHL is looking weaker, and when the program is looking weaker, and when the Q is super weak, that's a, a starting point of, of what might be a worst class. Um, Sweden is really weak this year, which is super rare. Uh, I'm trying to get used to that. Still, I'm still, I'm still in denial phase. And, and where we, I'm, and I we keep will looking. see.
0: It's early, right? It, you know it what is happens. Early. Remember, it is when, very early. remember when? Remember when Huberto was drafted? Like early part of the season, no one projected him to be the third overall pick. Absolutely. So that's why I always year. temper that, temper those. You know suggestions or thoughts oh this is the way it's going to be early because that's what comes back and bites in the ass
1: yeah i mean just uh, to bolster that statement i mean kel mccarr right we we had kel mccarr right yeah. super super aggressive people thought top five when we had him ranked was crazy and now look at that in hindsight right uh, uh miro hiskanen when he was five eleven and a buck 60 we had him super highly ranked and and you know, a lot, a lot of people thought that looked really strange because at that time, earlier in the, in his draft year, uh, he was more of an unknown commodity. Look where he finishes, right? In, in his draft season, the U18s, then Dallas takes him super high and, and it's a phenomenal pick, right? So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's super early. Uh, and one thing that's really interesting about this class that that falls into that statement, I don't remember a class this young. There are so many early birthdays. The amount of August birthdays, September, uh, uh, the September fifteenth cutoff. The amount of kids who are just under that cutoff point. I've never seen anything like it, uh, and that honestly makes our job a lot harder. Well, that also contributes. Projecting to, further down.
0: That also contributes to the perception, which perceptions are dangerous, of it being a weak class because it, that could potentially could be seven, eight, or nine months difference in terms of development. That's huge. That's like watching a player in September and saying he's X and then nine months later when the play, you know, in May, after like the season's done, oh, he's a totally different player. You know, those things happen.
1: Not only do they happen, but this draft class specifically – has a lot of these types of players that need time anyways. So then you factor in the age on top of that and it's really leaving the the class in one of those states where I feel like uh, as you said there, there's a huge growth rate that could happen with some of these kids and yeah it needs and you need more patience as a result of that. Yeah. Uh, you know it's, if it's I agree. Yeah absolutely like if you look at like defensemen like Zane Perrick, right? Brilliant talent. But he needs a lot of time to cook here. He needs time to develop uh his defensive his defensive game. Uh, um defenseman another defender well, comes to not, mind.
0: Yeah, he's not coming into the NHL next year. So what are you like, what are you worried about? You know, he's like probably four years away. You know, yes, including yeah. this season. So
1: maybe well, like, even longer. Yeah, it, it, so
0: what are you worried about? Like, you know what I mean? Oh, he's not ready. Of course he's not ready. But <laughs> he's 17 years old. Simmer down. You know, I just yeah. yeah. It's just some uh, of those those sediments kind of like makes me roll roll my eyes sometimes
1: <laughs> for sure and and then there's other players in this draft that are super toolsy but then very raw uh, so Jesse Polkinen, 6'6", six six finished defender who's who's had a, a real jump in his in his curve uh, this season uh, he's an overager, but he'll be drafted, I guarantee it uh, Adam Jecko, who's a uh, um there's every year I always have the the, the coat in the black book for one player that stands out as, as a just basically the bizarre player of the class. so that, like Maxim Groshev was that for me in Tampa. I liked him. I thought it was a great pick by Tampa, but he was a very bizarre player how he operated. Julian Lutz was another player I liked there. Arizona took. He was is very strange. he he fit he he fits the life as a box of chocolates quote. you just you're not you know what you're getting when when you're evaluating him in in during his draft season essentially uh, in some ways. Uh, Adam Jekko is that player this season, right? And he's another player. You give him time. So uh, there's Dean Letourneau, a high schooler who's 6'6", and has a lot of talent, but he's very raw and and still in high school. So some of these kids are very hard to project right now, uh, but are very intriguing at the same time. Uh, One thing I'll say, though, that I think I can get away with saying right now, since our first list is out, I've uh, got my top 60, and I I can stare at it now, is that this class already doesn't look um, weak. I'll say it already looks at least average. And the top end, I think, is a, is very good. You look at the top 12 to 13 picks in this class. It's, I really like this class. Especially I, I think...
0: if there's a lot of D that charge a little bit late. Because if you look at history, defensemen who can play a top three role are far more valuable than a scoring uh, a winger on a second line. So that may actually increase the value if that happens as we you know we both discuss defensemen tend to late hard charge after Christmas, kind of get into the middle of January and they start you know getting their legs underneath them and figuring things out more effectively. So that can end up happening too
1: absolutely This class is uh, very different from last year's class in terms of uh, defensive uh, defensive ability essentially. There's way more defensive talent at the top end relative to last season. And it goes right through the depth too, and it's so. an
0: interesting mix too. Like there's there's an interesting mix of guys who are have are rangy and tall and have you know ability, and then there's a, a few smaller offensive defensemen, but then there's a you know a collection of more of those insulating defensive defensemen who can make a reasonably good first pass. So there's um there's variety in that defense grouping, and it could be, yeah, and, and it could be like a really strong defensive class if you know, the development curve continues on its path. And that's why I'm always hesitant about tagging a defenseman early. I just don't do it because I've just been burned so many times in the past, in the past of, you know, you just got to let him cook. And the other interesting factor also we should probably mention is the Russian prospects. This potentially could be a really good year for Russians and a lot and more Russians being drafted at a higher clip in the first couple of rounds.
1: Yeah, so I I always tend to say that Russia always has a good class, just to bother my 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 boss Mark Edwards. Uh, but no, it's it is a deep class for Russia. It it really is. Um, not just uh for forwards and defensemen. This is one of the best Russian goalie classes I can remember as well. Um, that that's another thing that honestly kind of caught me off guard because you know as as a lot of you know usually in hockey things are very cyclical. So you, you have a pretty strong class last year. I th- some people would call it really good. I I thought it was. Good, not great, uh, but you look at you look at the goaltending last year it was phenomenal. I thought it was the best class since 2012, where you had Connor Hellebeck, Andre Vasilevsky, uh, Linus Allmark, Eunice Corpusalo. Uh, the, the list goes on and on. Uh, th- this class, it's not, it doesn't have that that next level, you know, Yaroslav Asgrov or Spencer Knight, a uh, type of goalie coming in, but the depth is phenomenal. And I didn't expect it. I really thought maybe, okay, this might be a down year because last year was so good, but that's not the case. Goaltending's uh, been really exceptional
0: this season. Well, yeah, it is what it is. And you could have a collection of, and the industry has kind of slid this way a little bit in terms of one A's and one B's. And that may, because of there's so many hybrid goaltenders that the difference between being good and great is what's between their ears. And then that's that is harder to measure, in in a lot of cases in that respect so that's what i find really interesting too about this potential draft class as well and i'm just gonna want i'm just gonna let it all play out it was something i had had to learn the hard way and and a scout said to me once he goes look like don't want something to happen don't expect something to happen just watch and see what does happen and record it and then just collect the data because if you start like you know imprinting yourself upon and, and making opinions and you know you're just going to create more trouble for yourself when you get to the end of the year so and that's always problematic and you know we're both been prone to making uh, a lot of mistakes because amateur scouting's hard but we should take a short break on hockey prospect review we come back we'll continue to talk about the 24 draft right after this every play every stat every breakdown On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more.
1: Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro,
0: junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.